0: Listening to the Taming Hinges podcast, conversations about self-awareness and mental health. We talk about anything and everything on the podcast. Real experiences, real life. Come get triggered. Welcome to another episode. Of the Taming Hindrances Podcast. As always, my name's Phil. I'm the host and creator of the podcast. And I have another episode for you. And this episode is not the culmination of the beginning of our endeavor into the other or spiritual health body, but kind of a, a culmination point of the four primordials. And I, you know, not to get ahead of myself, but next next episode, I'll talk about how all of these come together. But just as a, a quick rundown, we have, you know, chaos, creation, order, and then today's episode, destruction. And destruction is the last of the primordials, but it, in the end, sends us right back to the beginning. So as I talked about uh, when we started this, at least when we started talking about the primordials, we have chaos, and chaos is infinite possibility. Creation is Um, the using of that infinite possibility to, and then applying a structure to it. In some cases, this might be what would be known as naming something to create it is to name it in the ancient cultures. We would say we named it or created it. Thus, you could think about yourself. You were named and by your naming, you were created as who you are, gave you an identity, if you will. And then we have order, which is the filling of that, uh, that structure that we named something, we gave it structure that was creation. And then we filled it with some stuff and the filling was the, the making of the order. We were ordering it into being whatever it is that it is. And finally we have destruction and destruction is one of those things that always gets a negative connotation. And we all know how I feel about connotation. The reason destruction gets a negative connotation because it's an ending, and we don't like endings. Endings are typically tragic, or there's a loss, or it's very hard for us to let go of things. That's what destruction represents. And I represent destruction uh, as the wuchi symbol, or the a circle that's made up of a dashed, of dashed lines. So uh, an incomplete circle, it's just a circle made up of dashed lines. And chi essentially translates to, or is what came before. The wuchi is what came before Tai Chi. And I, I talked about that uh, way back when in the episodes leading up to, you know, what makes up our reality essentially, or I really got into it when I talked about choice and change and how choice begets change and how that interplay of the wu-chi to tai-chi to the separation of sides ends in the yin-yang. So in that specific set, if we looked at that diagram, which I'm not going to get into too heavy on this one, but if we looked at that specific diagram, we look at what makes up everything that came before. And that is destruction. Destruction feeds everything back to chaos and chaos is essentially what came before. But even then, because there was an original starting point, there was an original set of chaos. Chaos was, and then creation came along and started using pieces of chaos different probabilities and well, different possibilities. Infinite chaos is infinite possibility. So it started taking some things and making things, creating them, and then they got made, which was ordering them. And then eventually those things just were destroyed in some fashion. Now, destruction can be multifaceted. It, it can be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. It could be, it, it's, it's not just one thing. Destruction is a process or a finishing it's a finality. So by that scheme, when we look at just, you know, naming something, right? So if, if we had infinite possibility, we have chaos and then we name something. We give it creation. We are creating something from the infinite possibility. Let's take a kitten, for example, cause I like cats. A kitten's born and the primordial soup of nature created a kitten. Then somebody comes along and adopts the kitten or raises the kitten, even if it's just that kitten's mom. And that kitten develops an identity. And that is what fills in the creative side of a kitten was made. A kitten was created. Then the identity of that kitten gets filled in. And everyone's probably met a cat of some sort in their lifetime. If not, highly recommended, unless you're allergic, then... You know, do it anyway, but just less often. But when we meet cats, we find, you know, dogs, I find dogs to be all very similar. Although people who have dogs will tell you they all have their own personalities. I'm sure that's true. I just know cats better. Cats all have their own weird personalities. Some cats are assholes. Some cats are cuddly. Some cats are just, you know, antisocial. But that's the identity of the cat. Now, we, as their servants we give them names and so we we name our cat you know and when we name the cat we in our own mind create an identity for that cat we've just created the identity of the cat the kitten is now Octavia or Bubbles or um, Sir Floof I don't care what you name the cat but We've named the cat. Now we've given that cat, we've created an identity for that cat. And then that cat will fill in, it will make up that identity as it goes about its life. And we will often use those things to describe that cat. And that's the process of order, the yin yang balance. Then, unfortunately, that cat will pass away, or a terrible situation may befell that cat, and it will be essentially destroyed. But as we know about energy in our current realm of physics, you can't really destroy energy. That's not possible. And, well, the chemical makeup of the cat doesn't necessarily destroy itself. We might bury it or, you know, cremate the cat or whatever, do whatever the cat, and then, you know, it, its essential nutrients will go back to the soil and then maybe it'll grow some mushrooms and then the mushrooms will end up growing into a flower bed. Who knows? So as far as... Those types of things, yeah, what we know as the identity of the cat, beyond its just physical catness, that might be destroyed. But the rest isn't. It just goes and becomes something else. And even then, we go from the living memory of the cat to now the post-memory of the cat. And in and of itself, it becomes something new. It becomes stories or you know, reminiscence. So in that sense, death is a good representation of destruction, but really I look at it as the before. Destruction is, is the, is the finishing piece that marks the position of everything that came before it all gets returned to chaos and then can become something new. And in some cases that is, an infinitely small amount of time, it just instantly becomes something new. So it, it's destroyed and it's almost simultaneously is now something new. It goes right into chaos and gives, and is then given a new name or a new moniker or a new idea, a new structure and is, goes through this recycling process in which then it, then it will be ordered. And then eventually that will be destroyed and it's just continuous. So destruction is really the representation of continuation and we often use it as, "Oh, this was destroyed or that was destroyed." Well, that's that's a verbiage or that, that's a that's a vernacular in which we use that word to destroy something. Because yes, things are destroyed constantly, and you can destroy things, and it's it's an action of an end or a finality. But the reality of it is, it's a continuation. It's just a recycling of. So let's jump over to Merriam-Webster's Dictionary and just get a, a, just a basic understanding of what destruction is. So Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines destruction three different ways. The first is the state or fact of being destroyed. Okay. The action or process of destroying something. Okay. And a destroying agency. Now we're going to come back to that third one, but, we should get a good understanding of what destroyed is. If destruction is the act of destroying something. So destroy the verb is to ruin the structure, organic existence or condition of, uh, to ruin as if by tearing by shreds, to put out of existence, to neutralize, to annihilate, to vanquish, you know, that's destroy. But let's jump back to destruction, specifically the third definition here, a destroying agency. Well, that that brings up a lot of conversation pieces, specifically if we want to go back and apply this to mental health and self-awareness, where we started all these conversations with, now that, you know, even though we're now moving into the more spiritual or other conversations and trying to figure out what that's all about, if we look back and we look at what a destroying agency could be. Well, an agency is a, I mean, I don't really wanna get into a full definition of it here, but we can, why not? We'll get into a full definition of agency. So an agency is the office or function of an agent, uh, the relationship between a principal and that person's agent, blah, blah, blah. The capacity condition or state of acting or of exerting power. Good, let's go with that. That's, that's a quick, easy one. So an agency is something that exerts power over. And in this specific case, it could be an agency of destruction. So a power that destroys. Well, now this takes things and gives it a specific perspective. It gives it a a specific vector, if you will, for the action of destruction. In in this case, it could be that we can start applying positives. Because if, if you're going to take the connotation off of something and you're stuck with something that's pretty strongly a negative connotation in, in societal norm, you kind of have to start finding vectors in which to apply a positive, And that's through the definition of a destroying agency and an agency being something that applies a power over or a power towards. So in that case, you listening to this podcast, not to tout my own horn here, but you listening to this podcast could be a destroying agent of anxiety or your you know could be destroying your anxiety could be destroying your i don't know misconceptions of reality for yourself could be destroying the bonds that are holding you back all sorts of things i mean you could you can twist the words as much as you want but we could also again go back to the the negative connotation and we could look at a destroying agent such as you know alcoholism or addiction but then you could also twist that and go with what's the destroying agency of those? What, what can destroy addiction? What can destroy, um, you know, negative feedback loops, essentially. Those have to be taking. So in that vein, psychology and psychiatry are destroyers of things. And in that vein, there's many different things that become destroyers of things. So the idea of destruction we can start to lose its negative connotation we can look at oh okay destruction can be a good thing if you want to make potato salad you essentially have to destroy some potatoes because you take a potato and you boil it to soften it up and you know cook it thoroughly in doing so you are destroying the chemical bonds in that potato by heating it. So you're creating a a chemical exchange while also hydrating it. You're adding water to it's, so it's gluten bonds are actually breaking and then swelling because it's absorbing or sorry, starch bonds, not gluten. It's starch bonds are breaking and then absorbing the water you've given to it. But you're in essence destroying what was that potato. And now you've made it a boiled potato. Hmm. Delicious. And then you go ahead and you, if you haven't already you cut it up you dice it up and then you mix it with a bunch of other stuff and now you have a delicious potato salad well that's an act of all of those things were an act of destroying almost all recipes call all food recipes call for some sort of act of destroying but we end up with the delicious things to eat as long as we you know went about it correctly so destruction is really just this point of transition if you will. And what it's doing is it's destroying the original structure. So as order is the opposite to chaos, destruction is the opposite to creation. And if we look at what creation was, creation is the naming of it's giving the identity to it's the creating the structure of something that will then be filled, will be made. That's what order is. It's making, but the creation process is really just putting some things together and calling it something. And now you've given it its structure. What comes of it after that is the ordering process, but the creation of the structure. So to destroy that, to be the opposite of that, you have to take the structure away. Well, that's that's an easy process to follow, I think. If you look at I used in the last episode when I talked about order, about how a diamond comes into existence. First, we have anthracite or coal, and That is in of itself one thing. So just right off the bat, we're going to use destruction. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to destroy the space and irregularities in between the carbon molecules of anthracite. We're going to then after that's done, we've created a structure in which they will then compress and then they'll get ordered. Some might move a little bit here there. And almost every step of the way, there's some sort of destruction as a you know, a bond moves or shifts or changes. And even that's a part of the ordering process. But just to keep it simple, for the primordial side of things, the bond of the answer site is compressed and thus is given structure. And eventually it's ordered completely and can no longer be compressed anymore. And it becomes a diamond. Once it becomes a diamond, we take it and we turn it into things. And that's a destruction. So we have a raw diamond and then the jeweler adds facets. Well, they've destroyed part of the diamond to create a new faceted diamond, uh, you know, and to shine and show its carrots and clarity and all the different ways we would, uh, carrot clarity and something else. i can't cut carat clarity and cut are the ways we judge diamonds or uh, precious gems. So we need to, you know, destroy it in some way to make up the jewelry. So the destruction process just breaks down the original structure, the original identity of the thing, and allows it a new identity. Well, this is the part of every story in all of history that tries to explain what death is. So destruction is in some cases the realm of death. But if we take it from the perspective of the primordials, destruction is not an end. It's just a, it's a transition. And by that light, that vein of thinking, that idea, death would just be a return to chaos death is a destruction of a physical form and body, the death of the physical body. So when we look at the primordials, we can kind of look at the life cycle and how things like reincarnation or those types of ideas could have plausibility. So if we have chaos, we have the primordial soup of everything with all this infinite potential, then some sort of copulation happens between two individuals and we get the creation of a child. This is the first cycle. Everything that happens inside of that system follows chaos, creation, order, destruction. And then a child is birthed and we do it all over again. And then we name a child and we do it all over again. So in form and function of primordial mathematics, if you will, we have plenty of deaths and rebirths throughout our lives constantly. You know, for humans, you know, we have this thing called puberty. That's a death and a rebirth. Uh, We have... The first job, gaining responsibility, first kiss, first sexual intercourse experience, losing one's virginity—we have, you know, the first time you got drunk, definitely killed off some fucking brain cells on that one. That's some destruction and recycling. You know, there's all of these different reincarnations, if you will, these all—all these different death cycles that happen. We just don't call them that. We don't look at them in that light, and they are the realm of destruction. They're the returning to chaos, which is to say we can rebuild ourselves whenever we want to, but you have to destroy who you were before in some manner. It's not to say you have to throw all of it out. Just like the diamond doesn't stop being a diamond. We just fastened it or, you know, gave it a certain cut or cleared up its clarity a little bit. We made the diamond, you know, more subjectively beautiful or more subjectively pleasing. It's possible to do that with ourselves. Now in the grand scheme of it, yes, sure. You have a child, it's born, it's named, it lives and then it dies because humans were apparently made to die at some point, but the death is of the physical form. How we associate that is much different than what we call the person. And this is how I like to say that we write our own stories as we live and then we publish them when we die. So it's not that the story just disappears. We have memory and membranes and we have all sorts of different weird functions that happen in the brain when it comes to these things. We have association, disassociation, all sorts of crazy things our brains do. But it doesn't mean that it was completely destroyed. It just got recycled. It became something new. So destruction's not necessarily an end. In fact, there is no end. There can't be. If there was an end, the universe would have to stop existing at some point. Completely, utterly, totally. Wouldn't continue in any way. Which is a a positive boon to certain faiths and beliefs that are on both sides of the fence, that there's this place after life that is known as heaven and that's where you go or that this life in and of itself is part of living on a heaven or that there's a reincarnation structure in inside of all this. So that's why the primordials are so important they fit all of the structures that we as humans have used throughout our entire existence to try to explain things. There's chaos. Now, okay, I'm going to go on a rant here, and I apologize ahead of time. I'll try to come back to where I started, but we've been fed a lie, in my personal opinion. We've been fed the lie that creation is the beginning of everything, and that just can't be true. Given how the primordials line up, given how all of the ancient subtexts don't they don't start with creation? None of them do. This was essentially the giant lie of singular godhood, or the man-made god. And again, I'm not here to harp on. And I've, I've said this so many times, and I'll continue saying it. I'm not here to harp on people's faiths or their beliefs. I'm wholeheartedly on board whatever you want to believe in, as long as it doesn't hurt someone else. What I don't believe in and don't respect and will never, ever allow to take any stronger of a foothold as I can in my life or anyone else's that I can help is organized dogmatic religions because they started a lie about how creation was the beginning of something and that's it. It all starts with creation and chaos is this terrible, horrible thing we should avoid And that order is the respectful nature of things. And destruction always leads back to the creator. And should, all destruction should be an exaltation to whoever that creator was. It's a fucking lie. It's a fucking lie. It's a lie because if that was the truth, there would be no existence beyond where we are right now. This world would have ended a long time ago. It would have been destroyed and never recreated. No births could have happened after the original subset of all the texts. There could be no more births, no more soul creations. You can't just keep creating things indefinitely without having something to create them from. Nothing can be created from nothing. I'll say that again. Nothing can be created from nothing. So if you have nothing, you can make nothing. If you have nothing, you can't make something. And as much as people want to believe that there's this infinitely powerful being in the world that can somehow do that, and that's what makes them a God or a creator, it's false. Because even in the textual subtext, It mentions that they were created from themselves or in one's likeness. So you had to create something from something. And that something may then be infinite possibility, but that something is referenced as chaos. It must be chaos. It must be infinite possibility. The whole story doesn't start with creation. The whole story starts with chaos, infinite possibility. And it doesn't even end in destruction. It just goes right back to being chaos again. So in that idea, we're left with these primordials and how they're represented and used and found and mentioned, what laws they abide by or create, what laws they rule over. And this is where we get, coming back to where I, before I started that rant, this idea of spiritual nature being broken down into multiple gods and not just one singular God. We have pantheons. We have cultures who, you know, tribes in the mountains of China and India and other places that believe in star beings, beings that came down from the sky, aliens, if you will. We have the Egyptians and their whole pantheon and how that all plays out. We have stories used from other religions in Christianity and in Islam and in Judaism we have all of these commonalities throughout the entirety of human history, at least that of which we can find and read. But yet all we ever want to do is argue about it. And all we ever want to do is think that somebody else is wrong because I need to be right. And oddly enough, when we talk about something like uh, Alan or someone like Alan Watts who talks about something like death of the ego, we find that that's impossible because ego means I. I'm taking directly from Alan Watts here. Ego means I. means you. You are your ego, your ego. And to destroy that would be to die. That's what the destruction of the ego would be. So it's a much more profound idea to understand and control one's ego. And then if we look at just the health bodies themselves, body, mind, and other or spirit, whatever you want to call it. They're ruled by the principal natures of chaos, creation, order, and destruction. And destruction is kind of the, the end all measuring point, but it doesn't mean the end end. It just means of returning to chaos. So you can return to chaos, but then still kind of be you. And this is what leads me to think that, yes, there's something to this whole reincarnation thing. Even if we just look at the gods of death in ancient cultures, right? So we have like Anubis, we have Yama, Freya, Thanatos, We have Hecate, um, Mengpo, Hades, Hades. Hell, Morgana, um, or Morgan, I think, was the traditional name for that. Kali. Uh, so we have all these gods of death. There's always a, there's always some representation of a god of death or something like that. But there's also a bunch of subtext of stories of these powers, if you will, these subpowers, and even we find this even in you know, the singular God setups. So we have like things like the Tower of Babel, you know, people often forget that in all of the Abrahamic religions, there's this time period in which God is a very vengeful, what we would almost call evil individual who is just smiting people left and right and making life as hard as possible. We don't like to think about that though. We try to move on from that point, but we have a story like the story of Ouroboros, And the story of Ouroboros is found in almost every culture in all of history. And Ouroboros is the serpent eating its own tail. Sometimes it's a dragon eating its own tail. Sometimes it's a snake. Sometimes it's another different lizard type structure, but it's essentially the serpent eating its own tail. And this is that creation destruction cycle. But we have to fill that in with the other primordials. It can't just be two of the primordials. It must exist with all of them. So, we have something like the Leviathan. And the Leviathan is mentioned in quite a few religious texts about a a monstrous sea creature who eats the souls of people and keeps them from going somewhere, keeps them from going to their heaven or their, you know, it traps their souls here. It's a terrible thing. You don't want to be eaten by this, this monstrous sea creature. But that sea creature, that Leviathan, is the representation of Ouroboros how we can be trapped in that cycle to keep us from going somewhere else. You see how they start to fit together? That the whole idea that a lot of, you know, spiritual subsets use for how reincarnation works is followed by the singular God theories, but in those texts, it mentions there's this trap Known as Ouroboros, from the Leviathan, that you can get your your soul trapped here, in a continuous loop that never ends, and that's somehow an evil thing. So you see how they start to they start to twist things, and they start to, you know, all of history is filled with these stories about how the pagans were evil, terrible people, and they weren't. They weren't. They just weren't. You know. In modern society, we look at, you know, like the Vikings, like, oh, they raided and pillaged and raped. Some did. And, yeah, it was fucking, you know, it's a terrible thing to, to do that to someone else. They also built community and then built a whole subset of laws. They had ruling laws for how to interact with other communities and then internal laws and how to deal with oneself. And they were very forward thinking for their time. If we look back at it, you know, women's had rights. You know, you know, there was essentially eye-for-eye eye punishment systems. There was a whole set of laws in place. And this whole idea of Viking to vike started to break down. And then they became farming communities, really. And more so they were farming communities than Viking communities. And eventually the whole Viking thing just kind of went away. And they became community communities with laws and orders and, you know, had all of these things in place. So, from chaos, they had creation, then there was order, and then eventually the whole Viking thing was destroyed. And that's not just the only culture that did that. In China, they have this whole time period in which they call it the the Warring State Period in China. Fascinating thing to look at, um, the interplay of the houses and the Sun and the Han and all of the interplay. Um, In Japan, they had the um unification of japan the in the edo period you know or the time frame we typically reference to the samurai we have all these unification processes throughout history that were these destroying of the old ways and creating new ways but all of it had this amalgamation of chaos and if that's what humans do and we've we've really kind of culturally proved that we've done that forever would it not be a very short leap to take to look at what we could have done to the belief structures to make up a singular God format and that to use that as a basis for a lie to rule over people. And I'm not saying a singular God's a wrong answer. Again, I'm looking for some sort of answer in the spiritual realm of things. That's what this discussion is, is getting towards. But if destruction is the endpoint that returns us, to the primordial anything, to the the infinite possibility, then creation can't be first. So if creation isn't the first thing, then what are the Abrahamic religions or the singular God theories, what are they really getting at? Well, if we look a little bit deeper, I think we'll find that they get at an argument. A a structure, what they really created was a structure for warfare. No, that doesn't make them all evil. Not every Christian is evil. Not every Islam, you know, Muslim is evil. Not every uh, Jewish person is evil. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the organizations, the individuals who created these ideas, were human. Unless they were flawed and fallible because that's what humans are. Their texts even say that about themselves. But these are human ideas we're working with. do you trust your neighbor to tell you how the world was created? Do you trust the person down the street? Do you trust your, you know, who do you trust to tell you that? I don't trust anybody but myself, In my personal opinion. And I don't think you should either because as I said before, you're the one who gets to do the ordering. You're the one who gets to define this life, define who you are, and we need to stop giving that power to other people because they don't have our best interests in mind. They never will because they have their best interests in mind. And that's kind of the way it's supposed to be, you know, beyond the relationship of parents and their children. But even that goes awry quite often, more, more so now than it used to ever. And in some people I've talked to, one individual specifically, uh, Jenny Moonstone, if you ever want a tarot reading, go look at Jenny Moonstone. It's on the archive on my website. She's a great tarot reader. Uh, she brought up a really interesting point, and that point was during our meeting. I apologize, Jenny, if you didn't want me to share this, but you didn't mention it, so I'm going to go with it anyway. Um, that original sin could be the idea of the mother separating herself from the child. That could be the factor, that could be a factor of original sin. But even that works in the context of these religions. And the only reason I brought that up was to look into Who do you believe on that, right? Am I supposed to believe a set of texts written by humans about something that's not human? Or just take it as a guide? I'm going to take it as a guide. Because yeah, I'm sure there could be some reality to that, some realism, some truth. But more often than not, there's a lot more falsity in there because humans like to corrupt and coerce and rule over other humans because they want to be lazy. They want to have easy lives. They want to be better than their fellow people. And that's what the one God religion created. The one God religions created an argument that was their truest creation. It was not the creation of a God. It was not the creation of Allah. It was not the creation of God. It was not the creation of um, Yad yad Vihiyu. I apologize because I never get my Hebrew correct. Or the ineffable name forgot. Like that was not what they created. What they created was a way to go to war. They created a difference of opinion. And that difference of opinion, specifically in the Judea and the Abrahamic faiths are all about the prophet. Was the prophet Muhammad, was the prophet Prophet Jesus, you know, uh, was the prophet Noah who was the prophet or not? No, I apologize. I'm not getting that. It doesn't matter. I'm going to get too stuck in that conversation. It really comes down to like, who was the prophet? Who was the human telling other humans about not humanity? Right then and there, we started the very basis of the distrust and they've done everything they can to keep you from looking at that fact. In Catholicism, they added a structure known as the church. They created structure. They created an organization above you called the church and it somehow had ruling power over you had ruling power because it had had the ability to pay people gold to do what they wanted them to do. So yes, it had monetary fiscal power, which then led to actual physical human power. So they could just come along and kill you. That's the whole thing with the crusades. That's what happened in a nutshell is they decided to kill a bunch of people and they had the money to to pay other people to do that. They also had the power over the mind because people didn't understand they should think for themselves. So they allowed other people to coerce them into this and thus war will never stop ever. We've made perfectly clear that war can never not exist. In a system in which you aren't allowed to believe whatever you want without someone else being offended by it in some way or another. As far down as the tenets of those religions saying that. And this is vastly different than being able to believe in something and have your beliefs be your beliefs. It's a system of systems. where destruction can never occur. Yeah, you didn't think I was going to bring that one back to destruction, would you? You thought I was just going to go off on a massive rant. And I thought about it, but... We've eliminated the ability for destruction to occur in modern society, specifically when it comes to our beliefs. There can be no destruction of a belief structure. It can never return and become something new or better. That's not allowed. Many have tried. The whole split up of the... Christian churches into their own belief structures like the, you know, the Mennonites, the Presbyterians, the Catholics, the Roman Catholics, the, you know, the separation of all of these different tribes, if you will, was supposed to be the destruction of the singularity of network of belief, but that didn't work. In fact, it just made it worse. And then even in the Muslim community, and they didn't have as many split-offs, but they have, um, oh, I'm going to forget both of these. I apologize. Sharia and, well, let's just look at that. Sharia law. That's a that's a human-made fallacy. So that created a whole war structure inside that religion. And in Judaism, we have, you know, um, they have quite a few different splits, but, you know, you have... Orthodox, non-Orthodox, you have um, Hasidic. We have all these split-offs, which were supposed to be the destruction of the singularity, and it never worked. In Buddhism, we had the addition of spirituality to become spiritual Buddhism, which then we have Shinto Buddhism. We have the practice of spiritual Chan Buddhism. We have the practice of spiritual uh, Zen Buddhism. We have Chan and Zen Buddhism just as a philosophical split off and they have their own differentiation. It's this constant never ending cycle that never actually has full destructions. What they're doing is they're just manipulating the the act of destruction and never actually allowing for destruction to occur. And I say they, and I don't know who that actually is. Maybe that isn't some omnipotent force that controls us all. And there is this singular God that does all these things. Who knows? I don't know. In fact, I don't think anyone really does. And if they do, they're not going to share it, right? Because that's their, that's the ultimate trump card to keep in your back pocket. But if we look at the basis, these stories, the primordials, they are throughout all of history. Be it a pantheon of gods, a singular god, no gods, full anarchy, full atheism, any of it. Comes down to chaos, creation, order, and destruction. Now the corrupted part in today's society is that act of of two pieces, because they go hand in hand. Remember, creation and destruction, they're they're the opposites of each other. First lie that occurred, the first coercion, my personal opinion, is that creation is the beginning. That's not true. Nothing creates nothing. Nothing can't create something. And the second is that destruction isn't allowed. It's blasphemy to leave the church. Blasphemy. Makes you a horrible fucking person. You should be killed. That's what Catholics believed. All the way up to modern society where they realize, oh shit, we have to stop killing people because people are figuring this shit out. We're not allowed to do that anymore. we got to figure out other ways to destroy them. See, they are still trying to destroy things. They're just not allowing for destruction to occur. And then that's the real coercion is we've given the moniker of destruction to the negative. But destroying something's bad. Bad, bad, no, bad, must not destroy if we haven't destroyed anything, we've never progressed as a people. Every time a building's destroyed and a new one's put up, you know, your measurement of, of progression, that's subjective. And I'm not getting into that, but right now at least the act of destroying must occur for there to be progress, to return to chaos, to then have new creation, to have new ordering and then be destroyed again and just keep the cycle going. Now, ultimately, we have to decide if the cycle is correct or not. And I would say that the cycle we've been on currently for the last 150, 200, maybe 1,000 years, I don't even know, maybe it didn't work out. Maybe it wasn't the best answer. Maybe we could come up with something better. And in fact, I think it's time that we destroy the bond of organized religion and society. That is not to say you can't have beliefs. That's not to say you can't have faith. It's not to say you can't have your churches and your synagogues and your mosques and your alcoves. If you know you're in a druidic order or your whatever, it's not to say you can't have those things. Is that there needs to be a separation those things and society and by definition the human itself that it needs to be that the societal reference of it needs to be destroyed and thus it can become an individual idea, an individual perspective and if individuals choose to cohabitate together in collaboration for those things, known as what church was supposed to always be where one or two in my name come together in congregation I shall be there that whole psalm or whatever it is in the Christian community that's fine it may happen but there should be no societal standard that Christianity is the one true religion Islam is the one true religion Judaism is the one true religion Buddhism is the one true way of thinking you know, this—those are ideas. Those are known as the radicalisms, or to be radical in one's ideology. That is dogmatic. That is organized religion, and that is the destruction of humanity. So, if we want to go down that route, yeah, bring on World War Three. Bring on full-out epic warfare, killing and slaughtering and maiming and destroying and raping and pillaging, and all of the other terrible connotations you can come up with. Now's the time to apply it—the apocalypse of the world, if you will. Because then humanity can be destroyed and we can come up with something better. Or we could do it a little bit slower and with a little bit more thought and pomp and practice and maybe come up with something new. But in essence, that must be destroyed for us to go anywhere. We're at the level of destruction. We just don't want to see it. We don't want to look at it. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to get involved with it. And in fact, the idea of destruction alone is just something people just They fucking hate for some reason. And I think that's because they've been coerced into believing that it's something bad. It's not going back and applying this to the idea that we have a a, a self and self-awareness that self is made up of body, mind and other spiritual nature. The mind is the translation point between the, the other, and us, our, our physical form. Now, our mind is also the place in which we send commands like a deity, like a God, an omnipotent presence to our physical form, which is really just a coral reef of things trying to live. It's bacteria and enzymes and cells and all these other living things that are going on in our body doing their job. And we're just telling them what to do with the nervous system. We have control over them. Like a, like a symbiote almost. And maybe that's true for us too. Maybe our consciousness, are a symbiote or have a symbiote that, you know, and that would maybe be the definition of a religion or spirituality or whatever. We're not getting into that just right now. So we have self, we have the three health bodies. From there, we have awareness, self-awareness. Awareness is the attention to intention. So if we apply the rules of destruction, or the law of destruction, the primordial destruction, we can make all sorts of awesome changes and defend against bad ones. We can play the game of connotation now. In fact, now that we have chaos, creation, order, and destruction, we can start asking and answering why questions. Because it gives us a a definable nature in which those questions can be looked at. Before, if we were asking why questions in the realm of mental health and self-awareness, It's just subjective and will always lead back to typical, the same subjectivity. You know, if you have an alcohol, if you have an addiction, if you have an addictive personality and you're suffering from an addiction, asking why is only going to lead down the road of, well, I need to have an escape, an outlet. You're just going to make up excuses. Now that we have chaos, creation, order, and destruction, we can start asking why questions and giving them an appropriate field to work in. And the definition of field is not the one. You know, nope, not going to stand on that soapbox. Etheric physics, field is a pressure motivation situation. Anyway, if we just take addiction as an example. Remember, I'm not a doctor. I can't diagnose or prescribe. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm just a fucking idiot on the internet who publishes a podcast that maybe people listen to. I don't know. But addiction, in the realm of if we want to add spirituality to it and we want to ask a why question, you can ask, why am I addicted to this? or Why do I keep returning to this addiction? Well, we have four different attack vectors here. We have four different ways we can look at this why question. We have the infinite possibility of things. Are we so fearful of chaos that we self-medicate and that has caused an addiction, be it opiate, alcohol, whatever it might be. It could even just be, it could be pornography. It could be any one of the things that create that dopamine rush that we're constantly seeking out right then. And there is another way of looking at the why question is your addiction or Why does my addiction control me might be that there was this creation of a structure of that dopamine reaction that you just weren't, you weren't looking for or never saw that the addiction was in response to something that created a reliance on that dopamine rush or that balancing of our serotonin or the knocking down of our cortisol, or maybe it's, you know, like an adrenaline junkie. Like maybe it's that rush of neuroepinephrine you get that you're just so addicted to. Okay. So maybe it's this, one of these chemical processes somewhere along the lines, a a necessity in the human structure that we control. There was this link built between the action of the addiction. There was a creation of, the, that link between the action of the addiction and the the rush of chemicals that we really like. And that was maybe in response to something. And if that's the case, it's been ordered. It's become a full on fucking addiction. So you can destroy it now and make it something new. Or maybe you're in the ordering process and that addiction, we can ask, you know, why is this addiction controlling me? Maybe it's in the sense of order. It's the, We just are so used to habitually using our time to do that thing that it's in the realm of this is how I'm ordered. This is, this is my making of I'm making me right. I'm making my myself. I'm making my week go by. I'm making my day go by. That's a making action. That's the realm of order. We can also look at it from the sense of destruction. Why is my addiction controlling me? Well, maybe your addiction is the destruction piece you're trying to use to make a new you. But really all you're doing is just shaving off a small piece and sending it back to the primordial existence of infinite possibility and then trying to slap your name and moniker back on it and give yourself that new identity. But you're holding on to that addiction every time. Or maybe you just need a fucking coping mechanism for now. And it's not the fact that it's singular addiction. It's the fact that you are necessitative of an addiction. Like I said, maybe you have an addictive personality. There's all sorts of different ways you can start to look at this to get to a better framework, to create a new thing. Cause you have to remember your infinite possibility. You're a child of fucking chaos. You're not a child of an omnipotent deity. That's a falsity. Not that you aren't allowed to be. Your creator could be whatever, doesn't matter. I'm not I'm not here to argue that. If you want to believe in God, if you want to believe in Krishna, if you want to believe in, you know, whoever, if you want to believe in chair, I don't care. But that's not the starting point. That's the creation point. Before that, it's chaos, infinite possibility. Your if you want to believe in a creator, that just means your creator took infinite possibility and made you gave you a structure, and then your parents gave you a name or someone gave you a name, an identity of of sorts. You get to choose what that is. Now, if you want to go against the laws of chaos, creation, order, and destruction, it's not going to end well for you. It's going to be a very uncomfortable, very destructive, well, not destructive, but very uncomfortable, very, I don't know, misrepresented life. Specifically, if you're going to go against the laws of nature, because the laws of nature play by these same primordial rules, and nature is just a field, and its field is pressure and motivation, and it's looking and seeking balance at all times, and it's doing that asymmetrically. That's the idea of ordering and making, it's defined balance. Nature is a maker, it's an orderer, it creates things. It creates it from that primordial essence of infinite possibility. So even if you want to believe in the creator thing, that's fine. Totally okay with it. You just have to understand that the lie you were fed was the lie that that's the starting point and the ending point. That's a falsity. You can't live in that world because there's no you in that world. If a creator created you and then you go back to that creator, And that's all you're supposed to do. That is your identity. Then what's the point of you being you? Or or what's the point of that whole lie known as free will? There's no free will there. That's a lie. Free will allows you to go against that structure and live your life for yourself. I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying it's bad to believe in, have faith in a deity or an omnipotent structure. You just got to stop believing in the bullshit that you've been sold from your church or your spiritual, you know, controllers. Because they have no fucking idea what's going on. They can't even describe chaos, creation, order, and destruction. They'll just be like, no, 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 no. just God. Well, it's false. You can't just have one thing. Not possible. In fact, God in and of itself is a human idea. It's created by humans. So it, that can't, the can't be the answer is where I'm getting at. Because I found these subsets of things, and you don't have to believe a word I say. You can just call me a fucking quack. But I want you to think hard about this. This is all this podcast has ever been about. It's just really think hard about these things. And I might be 99% wrong, but take that 1% of truth that you feel or you hold on to or it makes you think about something and changes the way in which your mind is grasping all this and run with that and just make up your own mind on these things. Because the group think, the group mentality, is, it, that has been destroyed. That is what the 21st century has brought about it's the whole switching over from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius. The age of Pisces is the school of fishes all together, being one mind or like-minded. Aquarius is the individual thinking for themselves. And we are there. We have made that transition. And in fact, we have destroyed the age of Pisces to now bring about the age of Aquarius. That's how these things work. cycles. Which brings me to the last piece here before I continue to harp on organized religions. Destruction is the representation of the cycles. And I am now comfortable with saying that another universal law is that of cycles. And cycles themselves can change. It can be destroyed and renewed, but even that in and of itself is a cycle. There is always a cycle. That cycle might be 21,000 years. That cycle might be two minutes. Time is a measurement structure, but everything revolves around cycles. Our entire worlds are based on this. In fact, the idea of a singular God is the God of the sun, the sun God being the ultimate ruling body that has been denotated throughout all, every Pantheon, that there was this individual that sits at the top of the Pantheon. And all we did was we wrapped up all the other gods from that Pantheon into the individual, the singular God. And we made that God a representation of the people, a human God, and not another thing. And that is the transition between the Old Testament and the New Testament. That God, instead of us being in his image or its image, or however you want to translate that. Her image really probably better off to say that, but I'll digress again. Instead of us being in its image, it reflected us. And that's when Christianity became potent and plausible. And the crusades could happen. And war could break out ineffably. Uncontrollably. Because man wanted to be its own god. And it found a deity to call its own. Get rid of all the other ones. No, 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 you're not allowed to believe in that. That's not okay. one god. And that ruined cultures. Ruined existences. There are entire peoples who have been wiped off the face of history, not just the map, history itself, completely unwritten out of history due to that structure, due to the corruption of humans, corrupting the idea of a deity, of a god, of an other higher spiritual power. We're just now starting to unravel some of this, to, to, to fold it back and to look at what actually happened. But because no one was paying attention at the time, entire peoples, entire ways of thinking, cultures, were wiped off the map because they wouldn't abide. Others were powerful enough to hold their ground. But even then, and by doing so, they were coerced and corrupted. So we've, we've destroyed the age of Aquarius. We've destroyed the thinking in a group. And only understanding what we're told and now we've we've made headway. We're starting our journey off into the age of Aquarius. Sorry, the age of Pisces into Aquarius. We've destroyed the age of Pisces. We're, we're moving into the age of Aquarius, where you have to think for yourself. The age of Aquarius is the age of knowledge, the age of wisdom. And to do that, I think it's a good practice to step back and look at what everyone has always talked about. And some of those things I've mentioned already, but... Also look at the universal law structure. And the universal law structure, I'm now comfortable with saying, includes cycles. And those cycles are what brings about balance, essentially. Because the universe is always seeking balance, It will do that asymmetrically. We are always on a cycle of, some sort of cycle. There's always some sort of cycle occurring. Balance is constantly being sought. And as above, so below. What happens in the realm of spirituality and other also happens to the physical form of body translates through the mind. but just as we are chemical bonds and materials, so are stars. we're stardust. we're just walking, talking stardust. you know so as above, so below, the same things that make up planets make up you, the same things that happen spiritually happen physically, the same things that happen physically happen spiritually. And these are ruled by cycles and the constantly seeking of balance. Destruction is the representation in the end of the cycles. Order is the representation of balance. Chaos is the infinite possibility. Creation is as above, so below. It's the structure. But it all starts with chaos. Nothing starts with creation. It's just the vernacular and the vocabulary we've used for so long make up this understanding. And that's where I started way back when, when I was like, we've got to take the connotation out of things, got to destroy connotation because connotation doesn't bring about proper understanding. What it does is it creates group understanding and that's has its own place. But again, we're moving out of that. We're moving out of the group understanding into the individual understanding something I commonly refer to when I talk to people is if you can't under, if you can't describe something in your own words, you don't understand it and you need to go back and look at it again and come up with a better understanding. Cause again, if you can't, if you can't describe it in your own words, if you're just reading off verbatim, what someone told you, all you're good at is memorizing facts. You're not good at understanding something. You don't know how to use that information. That's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. So, To be honest, it's the difference between being educated and actually being intelligent. Those who are educated are just taught to memorize things. It's just an indoctrination of academia to educate someone. And we should destroy that function too. Got to teach people how to think for themselves. Cool. You need to think for yourself. Can't rely on other people to do it for you. Because all of history has proven they they don't have anything good in mind for you. That's the lie of singular creation point. That's the lie of you can't destroy something other than inside. You're not allowed that those systems are in and of self self. So start living for yourself instead of some, if you want to live in your God's image and act in your God's behalf, that's one thing, but most of it has been corrupted into living for that God in and of itself. And I, I've kept my opinions to myself for a while, but I think I'll share one now. Everything I've looked at is leading me down the road of reincarnation is absolutely possible, if not plausible. And in some function, it would seem that humans are resources or a resource of some sort. And that it would be absolutely possible, maybe not exactly probable, but possible, that we're harvestable in some way. Specifically when it comes down to what we would define as those deities or others. Because every contextual... that's ever been destroyed has to do with the worship of multiple gods or deities. And even in the systems in which when we did have paganism and when we did have polytheism, the destruction was of the other gods' power by its factor of worshippers. And there are some ancient structures, specifically those out of Egypt and places like Angkor Wat and some of the other monolithic structures, to say that the worshipping of those deities or powers was what gave them power. And the idea in which to live for that thing or idea was the idea of exaltation or to be in exaltance to live for and die for that thing, which gave it power over you or power over the person, which is a really fancy way of saying it's possible There are more powerful things than us in the universe that exist outside of our material knowledge who have in some way an ability to use our experiences as humans in some sort of energetic form in which they can harvest when your physical body dies. And then they recycle you into a new one. And you do it all over again and just fuel their, their fuel their system. Be that a positive or a negative, who knows? I have no idea if these are things or creatures or ideas or deities or whatever the fuck you want to call them. Have our best interests in mind. I have no idea. But there are certainly structures in ancient Egypt, in ancient Greece in other places again, like Anchor Wat and those types of things that would denote a place of sacrifice and not sacrificing food and wine and a little bit of the harvest. No, 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 those are human ideas. No sacrifice of the person of their soul to make a binding contract. That is the idea of a sacrifice. And those individuals who understood that were exiled and talked down on and in fact, eventually that whole idea of sacrifice was turned into exaltation of a singular god or monotheism which allowed for the destruction of the other gods and the other ways of thinking. And the nice spin they would like to put on that was that it was to, to build community. And that may have worked for a time but now it's destroying community. So if it's now destroying community, it's come full circle. Its cycle is over. And a new cycle is beginning. Because we are all being thrown back into chaos, into infinite possibility. And we'll get to choose where we go from here. But we need to choose that at an individual level this time. Because that's the lesson that was learned. And this is why I think understanding self-awareness and applying it to mental health is an important stepping point, an important building block to understand what we're going to believe personally, not as a group, but personally, what you are going to believe when it comes to the world of spirituality, when it comes to being other. And you get to choose if you're going to be Christian or Muslim or Judaic or if you're just going to believe in Buddhism or maybe even practice spiritual Buddhism like Shinto Buddhism or study Jainism or any one of the other possible ideas or make your own amalgatory clash of all of them wrapped into one or just be a spiritual person that's your decision now that's where we're at we've destroyed the old structures and we're at the point of where the individual gets to choose what they're going to believe in and part of me has really kind of come down to a conclusive nature that there has to be something else there has to be and maybe, yes, one of these are right. Who I don't know. I don't know. I do know there's got to be something else because it's cyclical and there's this balance thing and there's the infinite possibility of chaos. So there has to be something bigger. I don't know if it's better, but it's definitely going to be bigger than us. It's going to be bigger than us humans because we're bigger than cats. And cats are bigger than ants. And ants are bigger than microbes. And microbes are a little bit bigger than some other things. So there's maybe something bigger than us. And we've never explored our infinite possibility. We've never really explored as a as a whole, as a as an individual, maybe some people have. As a whole, some people, you know, there's some collectives have but never in a sense in which it wasn't controlled. And I think that's the truest cycle that now needs to break, now now needs to be destroyed and refunction, rehashed, is the controlling of information when it comes to the infinite possibility of humanity. The mansies, the woo-woo of the world, to quote someone like Cliff Hyde, to, you know, the, to look at what is the reality of the nature of someone like a Jenny Moonstone, you know, doing real calculative spiritual work with people, you know, reading tarot cards and, and, and looking into those types of things. What is the reality of psychic nature? What is, you know, the CIA has done plenty of investigations. In fact, many, 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 organizations have have looked into this stuff and it's all been inconclusive but they still use it and essentially remote viewing as a whole if you look into the remote viewing that's a fascinating deep dive into the CIA's program and the military program of um, remote viewing and how you know it was used it was studied and people still practice it to this day in the public and private sectors and the mistrust between communities has led to the controlling of information and the controlling of information has really been the factor of human history. That the winner gets to write history. We were under a collective idea that, yeah, they have our, the winner has the, you know, the good wins, right? The good person wins the fight and they get to write the history about it. Well, that was wrong. We need to destroy that understanding because that's not what happened. Bad people in the connotation of bad, as far as historically, morally or ethically incorrect people, they wrote history and they controlled the information and they lied to us. It's my personal opinion that we were lied to and we need to destroy that function. You need to destroy that idea. And that starts at an individual level. It can only start at an individual level, because that's where infinite possibility begins. And then you can create something and you can order it. And you get to destroy that too and start all over again. That's 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 Ouroboros. That's the story of the Leviathan. That is Chi before before existence, before it happens. That's what destruction is. Destruction leads back to infinite possibility. So if you want to get back to possibilities, maybe you don't want them to be infinite. Maybe that's too many. You still need to get back to possibility, and that's the realm of chaos. And to get there, something needs to be destroyed. It needs to be fully ordered. And then its 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 creative structure needs to be removed and sent back to the realm of possibility. And you can do that for yourself. I would not advise trying to do it for others. <laughs> it's tough. Um, and that's the gift of some people. Some people do get to help with others with that. I'd like to take it from a more individual standpoint, and you, you got to do that for yourself. So if you have something in your life, pick something small to start with would be my suggestion. And you want it to change. You have to make the choices that correlate to that. I talked about that in episode eight and nine. Before that, you have to destroy whatever it is that you're looking to change so that it it can be a new possibility, a new something. And you have to understand that that's going to create chaos in the realm of how it all comes together. We can never really know how it all fits back together or what it's going to become when we change it. So we have to be comfortable with that. You have to be comfortable with chaos as the beginning point infinite possibilities where everything starts, but you can quickly give it new creation. You can quickly give it new structure and then go about ordering it. However you'd like after that, just, you have to start to work in these cycles to work in these ideas, to find the balance that you you want to create the change you want to see in the world. Right. That, that old adage, Uh, Gandhi, I believe that's Gandhi. Um, but I've rambled on enough. I'm sure at this point, as I often do, I'm long-winded by nature. Not going to change that, sorry. (laughs) Not destroying my long-windedness. It tends to work best for my mind. And hopefully it works well for you. So next episode, we'll go over how all this fits together. We'll go back over chaos and creation and order and destruction. I kind of did some of that here, but we'll really dive into it a bit and look at its interplay and how we can use it, specifically when applying it to our mental health and self-awareness. But I wanna continue down this track of looking at what is spiritualism? What is the possibility of the other? How can we get a better understanding of it for ourselves? Because that's where I'm at in my personal life is I don't have a spiritual life. I don't have a spiritual body. I'm sure it exists somewhere, but I don't have an understanding of it. And this is me going about, and I'm almost kind of dragging you along with me, to figure out what that looks like to me. What is my understanding? And I talked about a little bit of it here where I have this idea of, okay, you know, maybe um, reincarnation is a plausible possibility. But I think it starts with these, these interplays of chaos, creation, order, and destruction. That's why I started with them. And we'll expand upon it from here. And hopefully, I'll either have helped you... Or maybe in some way found my own understanding of what a spiritual thing is. Like, what is a have? What is the spiritual body made up of? And maybe it's as simple as it's just uh, it's just energy, or it's just uh, ether, or it's just like a really weird cat we don't know about that's just constantly like fucking with shit. Who knows? That's that's the beauty of it all, I suppose. All that subjective. And again, we're in the we're in the realm of why questions. So going back to that about spirituality being the realm of why questions, ask some why questions about destruction. Why can't I destroy my habit? Why would destroying ha- my habit help me? You know, now's the time to start applying those why questions. And if if they're not working for you, step back to the non-why questions, but use the frame of reference for chaos, creation, order, and destruction as kind of a a way of figuring out how maybe to progress into those why questions and we can get a little deeper and a little deeper and a little deeper. So go destroy some stuff. It's good for you in some cases, just be careful how you do it. Be mindful of how you do it and I'll see you on the next one. Um, I don't know if I have anything specific on the archive to reference to you, but it's always a good job, a good idea to stop by the archive you know, maybe once a month or something like that. I I tend to upgrade the archive as much as possible when I find new stuff or new interesting things over at TamingHendrances.com. But, you know, always a good idea to stop by because I might reference something in there. For this one specifically, for Destruction, I don't really know if I have anything good on there. Alan Watts, I think, would be a real... On the um, archive, I have some links to Alan Watts' work. And he really is a good function of destroying the Western mind and, and helping it understand We're just he's good at destroying the, the barrier between the western mind and the eastern mind specifically when it comes to, to the art of zen or the thinking of zen buddhism so I guess that would be my reference there I'm sure there's something else on there but check it out every once in a while and I will catch you on the next one remember go destroy some shit thanks for listening come check us out at taminghindrances.com for show notes, links, resources and more Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, RSS, or your preferred platform. If you leave us a spiffy review, we might just mention it on the show. Now go be awesome, and just remember to breathe.